Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. It's time for another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein of the Bronstein Firm, and Matthew Fairburn covers the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic. And um, you know, some interesting things uh, this week that I want to talk about, uh, give some people some, some thoughts to ponder for the weekend. Um, maybe it's not fresh enough, but uh, I think there's always uh, time to have a uh, talk about the knuckle-dragging toxic masculinity that exists in hockey. That's me talking. I don't know what your guys' stance, uh, stances on this are, but the Capitals and Rangers line fights, all the theatrics, and the NHL declining to suspend Tom Wilson uh, over uh, his antics. Uh, the New York Rangers then deciding to blast the NHL in a statement and being fined a quarter of a million dollars, the line fight, um, uh, all that good stuff. And uh, I want to talk about uh, Brandon Bean's comments regarding uh, his tendency. He, he announced uh, on uh, the Buffalo Bills radio show that um, he would cut an unvaccinated player if it meant the team getting back to whatever threshold the NFL may set forth uh, regarding normalcy. Um, that was a story that went for 48 hours. It was in the cycle, uh, radio, TV, uh, everywhere was people were covering it without getting a comment from the NFL or the NFLPA about it. Um, and then the NFL on Friday afternoon comes out with a statement saying, uh, well, it wasn't a statement, but, they let it be known to all of its, uh, the, the primary national reporters, uh, NFL Network, ESPN, the Associated Press, probably some others. Uh, they give uh, these types of um, uh, nuggets to places like the New York Times or the Washington Post, the LA Times. Uh, but anyway, the NFL wanted to make it clear that uh, it was not pleased with uh, Brandon Bean and uh, that uh, you can't cut a player for not being vaccinated. So is this Brandon Bean's uh, humans should not play football uh, moment, uh, reminiscent of Doug Whaley's uh, public misstep over the air uh, uh, a few years back? Uh, let, let's open it up with that because it's the fresher of the two topics. Uh, just your guys' thoughts on what Brandon Bean had to say and um, – well, I'll just leave it at that, and then we'll go from there. Well, quick thought. Good for Brandon Bean speaking his mind, speaking his truth, and I felt the same way about Doug Whaley when he said what he said. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I did think of Doug Whaley when this 
happened just because it was same time of year, radio interview, seemingly, you know, innocent or candid moment that got, you know, national attention. And in both cases, I think they were saying a smart thing, perhaps a potentially controversial thing or a thing easily taken out of context where the nuance is missed. What Doug Whaley said a few years ago, probably accurate, you know, like human beings probably shouldn't be smashing into each other and damaging their brains. I, I, right. I would agree. I think a lot of people when viewing it in that context would agree. Instead, I think we're all, all three of us are on record with our feelings, not only on CTE, the fact that the game isn't as much fun as it was to us before we knew all these things. I think we're all of a like mind in, in that regard. And the vaccination stance, we've all talked about how we're all vaccinated. Uh, our families, uh, you know, my kids are too young right now to get clearance, but as soon as they do, they'll be vaccinated. So we're a vaxxed family. Um, yeah. So I think, Saying it, I thought, yeah, great. Get everybody vaccinated and whatever you can do. Um, the problem being is that the, this could open you up to a lawsuit uh, based on or based on the collective bargaining agreement and, the, and the, the things that a team can and can't declare about why they're cutting somebody. I'm sorry, I, I derailed you there, Matt, but I think I just wanted to make it clear especially to anybody who listens to this podcast, I think they know where we stand on it, but we, yeah, I think we all kind of in our minds applauded Brandon Bean for what he said, but also, uh, you know, come to think that you probably, there's some things you're not supposed to say out loud. Yeah. And that's what, that was the exact case with Doug Whaley. He said the, the quiet part out loud and Brandon Bean did a little bit of the same. I think the difference in some regard is, you know, Doug Whaley wasn't known for being, excellent in the media and you know was that, a little that's, a di that's diplomatic <laughs> he was he was nervous at times I don't think it was all his fault which is why I, you know I frame it that way I don't think he was always well prepared I think he's actually a, a pretty well spoken and a and a fun guy to talk to the Bills front office had him mood. scared shitless every time yeah. he went out to talk to the media so I think he's actually he, he's good at it when he's relaxed and in the mood, but he was rarely in that type of mood because of how he was handled by the front office at that point. But Brandon Bean is very good. And, you know, I think typically chooses his words carefully and knows what he's saying. Perhaps this was a slightly too candid moment, you know, maybe something that despite the validity of it, he wishes he wouldn't have said to your point, you know, this becomes an interesting conversation because right after this happened, you know, that night the NFL was releasing guidelines to teams for how to educate players on vaccination and things like that. And they told them to remind players that it could be a competitive advantage to have a team that won't have disruptions, which is sort of what Brandon Bean was saying. I think what Brandon Bean said and how it got looked at because I had a lot of people in my Twitter mentions saying like, Oh, I guess that means uh, get Jake Fromm ready to start, you know, cause he's going to cut Josh Allen. That's not what he's saying. And that's where I think the lawsuit part would get a little bit tricky. What the NFL did on Friday by, you know, or whenever they contacted Brandon and, and, you know, releasing that through certain media channels to say he can't cut a player solely for not being vaccinated. That's them covering their ass. 
for what you're talking about, Tim, you know, because it hasn't been collectively bargained and it hasn't been a thing where they've been able to mandate vaccines because then, you know, if they force players to do that, they're going to have to give up something in return and they won't do that. But at the same time, Brandon Bean, you know, a lawsuit to me seems like it would be tricky. I am not a lawyer, but if he cuts player A at the bottom of the roster because he hasn't been vaccinated and player B has been vaccinated and they need to get down to 53 and that 53rd guy would give them the threshold of whatever percentage the NFL says, 75, 80% to get back to normal. But he keeps other unvaccinated players on the roster, which seems likely. I don't think 100% of the players on the Bills 53-man roster will be vaccinated at the start of the season. I would be pleasantly surprised if that's the case. So if there are other unvaccinated players on the roster when he cuts an unvaccinated player, it's going to be really hard to prove that he cut a player solely for being unvaccinated. But to your point, Tim, it's a little bit easier to prove when you've said on the record, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> you know, so it's a thing it, to throw in the lawsuit. Yeah. It, you it, know, becomes, it jacks up the, if you don't want it to go to court or whatever arbitration process and you want to, you know, the settlement takes, it costs that much more for it to go away. I think Another it would act. still be hard to prove. I, I still think it would be a sure. flimsy case because a guy rolls an ankle or a guy has a history of, of whatever, you know, you could make the same case of guys that have, you know, per Percy Harvin's migraine issues or other players that have had migraine issues. And they say, well, we don't. Jairus Bird's plantar fasciitis. Or Marquise Goodwin's sickle cell. Like, you know, that's a medical condition that, you know, so rules don't apply in the exact same way, but this could end up being a touchy issue. And it's, it's an extremely touchy issue in this country that, probably any number of lawyers would love to slap their name on and represent a player against the league in some big lawsuit that gets all this media attention. So for those reasons, and I don't think Brandon Bean was thinking about that in the moment, but for those reasons, it be, it's probably a comment he wishes he would have just kept to himself because if he had, then it becomes really hard to prove that he cut a player just because he's unvaccinated. Cause, and, and even so it's going to be a case of I cut him because he's not any good. Like, if you cut a guy who's not very good and he's like, well, it's because I'm, I'm not vaccinated. It'd be like, all right, well, give me your track record of performance that says, I mean, look at Colin Kaepernick, right? That kind of gets roped into the, the same thing. I mean, that guy's been out of the league for how long? And, you know, so I think it, it's, it could be a potentially interesting thing come roster cut down time, but you're going to be talking about players who are on the edge of the roster anyways, and if this is the tiebreaker, I don't know. But, yeah, he probably wishes he didn't say it in hindsight. I think, too, that it's a public relations nightmare that the NFL is trying to avoid or wishes it didn't have to deal with now because, you know, let's, uh, let's face it. Uh, even though the television ratings uh, are doing well enough that the NFL was able to land these – colossal television broadcast extensions. Uh, they're going to be swimming in dollar bills for from now until kingdom come. Um, but they do have a PR problem that is ongoing, still left over from Colin Kaepernick from a fan a segment of the fan base that feels that the NFL is too liberal 
that it is uh, all about public relations or political issues and kneeling and against the flag and doesn't care about your rights and whatever other conflated issues you want to throw out there. But throw in anti-vaxxers into the mix, and it just emboldens uh, them in their hatred of the NFL. Look at these guys. They're not even letting their players exhibit their their God-given rights to for whatever they want to put in their body. Uh, we saw it with the Josh Allen discussion just a couple of weeks ago, um, and people wanted to talk about it and listen to it. It's one of our highest, uh, most downloaded uh, episodes we've ever done, and I think it's because we we were talking about that issue. Uh, and here, the NFL just doesn't want to wade into those waters. It, and and Brandon Bean kind of put the NFL there as now being pro-vax in a way. Now, again, you look at the deeper context of it, and I don't think that the stories and the coverage really did that, which is a danger. And, and I mentioned it on my, uh, my Twitter account today, the danger of aggregating something you've heard on the radio, turning it into a headline for the sake of, hey, listen to what Brandon Bean had to say here. Well, people don't then go and read the whole story. They don't go listen to the clip um, they read the, the transcribed version of, the, of what Brandon Bean said and pick out the words that they want. You know, this is like a, the telephone game on steroids. And so you take from it whatever you want, and all of the people who are anti-vax, you know, Rachel Bush, Jordan, Jordan Poyer's, are they married? I don't know what to call it. Is she fiancé? Jordan, Jordan Poyer's what? wife. Um, all the things that are being said vocally, this is ammunition that the NFL now has to deal with we're talking about the legal standpoint. I think where it probably is a bigger headache for the, for the NFL is the public relations standpoint and just keeping it in that, that sad, it's sad that vaccinations are politicized. Um, like infrastructure is politicized and things like, Hey, I think that fixing our roads and our, and making sure our bridges don't collapse should be a bipartisan uh, interest. But anyway, I'm getting out on a tangent. But but there are people who just look at it and say, "Man, f the NFL for you're going to cut a guy for not getting the va- for for not getting vaccinated." F you. That's just you know what? I'm just going to go watch my college football. And I have people like that in my family. I, that that exists. I know people who do not watch the NFL anymore just because of kneeling during the national anthem. And this these are the types of things that get lot you know just thrown on top of it and and a. Uh, in a morass that, that the NFL would love to be able to get out of someday, but probably won't. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say good for Brandon Bean and the NFL can fuck off. They're really, the <laughs> issue here is public relations and not uh, upsetting a minority segment of the fan base that is that has politicized the vaccine and anti-vaxxers and that whole issue. You know, I'm not going to side with the NFL. I do understand with the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL can't at this point in time, mandate that the players get the vaccine, even though it would probably be better for everybody involved if they were able to do that, as many employers and colleges and uh, governing bodies have been able to do in in certain ways. But, you know, it's the same with Doug Whaley. I would rather that these people answer honestly and give their opinions and say what they really think. And in the terms of Brandon Bean, you know, he should be managing the bills the way he sees fit. If it's in the bill's interest to have a certain number of players vaccinated, or if he doesn't want 
players being exposed to unvaccinated players because of the health risks that that could uh, create down the road, then that's Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills prerogative to cut any player for whatever reason. Yeah, I think that point, you know, what's the thing we hear all the time in the NFL from general managers and coaches, the best ability is availability. Well, getting vaccinated is going to increase your availability to your team by what percentage and all that we don't know, but it will increase your availability to the team because they still have to get tested. Just not as frequently it's lowering your risk in a substantial way. And that alone should incentivize a player. You know, this idea that Brandon Bean would be pressuring players that's in the mind of players already. A question I'm curious about though, because the NFL doesn't do everything or doesn't do anything or leak anything or say anything or pick up the phone without a lot of calculated moves from a lot of people who get paid a lot of money. So is the PR issue part, the PR issue is part of it to Tim's point, the people that aren't going to watch because they're pushing the vaccine. But I also wonder that as they're in the middle of this somewhat messy issue with the players right now, not coming back to facilities and, you know, they're having some issues with players already. If this comment is going to embolden some players, if it's going to do more harm than good, right? Where you say, perhaps there's a guy at the bottom of a roster right now saying, well, I better get vaccinated. My GM probably thinks the same thing. Or are there star players or middle tier players saying, screw that. You're going to cut me for not getting the vaccine. Like, screw you. I'm, I'm not getting it. Like you can't make me, you know, type of thing. You tell somebody not to do something, they're going to do it. And if you tell them not, you know, same thing. So yeah. What if he would have said, uh, you better show up to voluntary workouts or you're going to get cut. Well, then there's probably some guys who'd be like, well, first off, you can't do that, but watch me not show up to voluntary workouts now. Yeah. Players start feeling emboldened and then it becomes counterproductive in a sense. So because they already have some PA issues going on right now and they're playing a game with the PA right now where they're putting out reminding, you know, make sure to remind players, you know, with the Juwan James injury, like make sure to remind them that they're not going to get paid as if, you know, they don't know just kind of a, a subtle middle finger to the PA. So they're having some PA issues. There's the You're PR right. issues. Matthew, what that is, it's a chipping away of the rights or pointing the, or like tapping the guy in the sternum. It doesn't hurt, but it, it's going to annoy the hell out of you. And if you're just constantly saying, Hey, yeah. I just want to remind you, just want to remind you, you better get vaccinated. Well, I don't have to get vaccinated. Well, you better, uh, you better show up the voluntary workouts. Well, I don't have to, well, you better, you know, then yeah. Then at some point there will be pushback. That's an excellent point. And that's where I think PR is part of it but their ratings machine is just an animal and that can't be stopped. It seems. And they've got these great deals. And I do think, yeah, they do still care about what you're talking about, but they've been pretty public with their vaccination pro vaccination stance anyways. And I guess, and I probably shouldn't rely too much on the ratings aspect of it. I think it's the conversation. I think the NFL would love just like, can we get back to 
obviously they would love to talk schedule football. release. Let's talk right, about this. Like we that, should be but... talking about the schedule release right now. And <laughs> right. This big, exciting event that they've got planned. This is the monster that the NFL has created with trying to be in the news 365 days, 52 weeks a year, because there isn't much else to talk about right now. And my take is this, as it was when Josh Allen said what he said about the vaccine is, yeah, okay, so what? That's what you think. It's going to be a non-issue by the time the season comes along. Enough people are going to be vaccinated. The virus numbers should be low enough where if Josh Allen wants to be one of these people that doesn't get vaccinated, it probably won't matter. But now it's, it's as big of a story as, you know, who's going to start a quarterback on Sunday because we're not in that point of the season where there's other football topics or the NFL has conditioned us not to ignore the NFL this time of year because there's nothing worth talking about. That's right, because of all the sports networks have an NFL show every day, regardless of whether it's in season, out of season. They just had the draft. I was flipping through the channels the other day. The NFL network had path to the draft on. I was like, the draft is over. Path to the draft. So I looked on the info just to see, and it's like, well, we're going to analyze how everybody did in their path to the draft. Like at some point, you know, and obviously that's NFL network, that's 24 hours a day, but ESPN has multiple NFL shows that it has to fill with content every day. And they get sick of talking about Cam Newton uh, in the Patriots or where, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, saga is like manna from heaven falling down at this point of year to get them from uh, the draft to, you know, uh, mini camps. Um, but yeah, this is, you're right. Great point, Jonah. Yeah, this is these are the things that's just it's content. Well, um, that's what this was. This was One Bell's Live. Every a single daily day. show. They had to come a up with a daily something. show, 365. I do I mean that's a lot. That's a lot of strictly Bills and NFL, of course, but really Bills, you know, 365. And you get the general manager, which is a nice way to break up and fill some content, but he's he's been on plenty of shows. He's talked a lot. He's pretty open and accessible guy. And so, yeah, you're going to get around to some other topics, including the topic drawer of like, what's going on with voluntary stuff and like, how are, you know, players handling the vaccination and, and you're just, you know, going to, I think it was about a 20 minute interview. So everybody's guards down. Uh, he's being interviewed by team employees. This wasn't an ambush. I think similar to the, what Kyle we were Brandt. talking about with Josh Allen and Kyle, Kyle Brandt. Brandt. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Hey, let's, we're just two dudes shooting the shit, you know? Um, Whoops. Oh, and then you're going to slip in a question that I, I might, uh, I might trip over. Well, Which seems hate... innocent, but it's ends up not being that V word is going to become not. So it's going to be a trigger word for a lot of players and coaches in the next few months. And I hate when situations like this arise over somewhat benign comments, and it's only going to make Brandon Bean and Josh Allen more guarded and less. What Brandon Bean came on this show when we were on the radio a couple of years ago, talking about drinking beers in the shower and going to watch, Ric Flair wrestling matches when he was a kid. He's going to be less likely to want to come on and have some fun with us like that when anything that he says could be, I don't know if it was twisted or misconstrued, but over amplified. And now Brandon Bean is the face of the NFL forcing its players to get vaccinated. I think the days, um, Matthew, uh, well, we've all known the story. I don't know if Jonah will know the reference right away, but I think the days of me asking the question that I did of Brandon after uh, the Miami, was it, it was a Monday night game, maybe even? No, it was a date. Well, anyway, we was, were in Miami. Yeah. Josh, I don't think oh, you no, can no, tell, no, you got to say it. You got to say it. If, you, if you're, if you're going to tell the story, you got to say the quote. I mean, everybody's going to be wondering <laughs> what it is, and it's a worthless segment. It's not, not the most professional thing I've ever done. Quote. Well, you know. 
it's not the most professional thing I've ever done, but it was, uh, all right. So it was the game at Miami in which Charles clay could have caught the touchdown pass at the end of the game to win it. It would have Josh Allen and the, it elicited the quote played his balls off. Um, but the, I think that Brandon Bean said that. And then the reason he said that is because I approached him in a pretty disarming way. Like, you know, two dudes talking, which is what Brandon Bean does. I mean, it, you're not trapping him. He he that's his, that's who he is. That's what makes him so charming. That's why I don't think he'll. I don't know that this for Josh Allen. Yes, it w- will become a thing where he's going to be on guard. But Josh Allen was always on guard with us and never really let his guard down, and barely did in that Kyle Brandt interview. It wasn't that interesting right. until that. Brandon Bean, I don't think will. I, I don't think that's how this will will go. Um, I think he is pretty secure in who he is, how he handles himself, certainly very secure in his employment and his job. And I don't think it will dramatically alter how he handles us, how, how he handles requests um, and things, you know, uh, things like that. But it could, to Jonah's point, like it, it underscores the point of honesty in a lot of cases ends up being punished, you know, because of social media and the internet age, honesty doesn't really get, uh, get you very far. Sometimes. And legal stuff too. You know, I'm dealing with sure. a story right now. I'm writing a story and I am just getting stonewalled by no comments. And I'm sure that there are people who would love to talk, but they can't because legally they're, they would just be in such hot water that, it's better for them just to face the public firing squad than it is to speak to me and, and get into some legal trouble. And with this, there's a collective bargaining agreement. And of course you have the corporate overlords uh, on, uh, on park Avenue in New York city that, you know, just, you know, just cause you're a general manager and a very successful general general manager of an NFL team, you have to keep in mind that you're a franchise of the NFL. Uh, and you you can't just go saying things because then there are now 31 other teams that may face um, a lawsuit or a, a, a complaint or a whatever from a player. Guy in Jacksonville might get cut and he thinks it's because of the because he didn't get vaccinated and he'll, he'll cite the Buffalo bills general manager is saying that this is how they think. Well, and I wish as long as this, as long as he's being truthful and this is really what he thinks, because I'm going to paraphrase him here and maybe put words in his mouth, but if Brandon Bean feels like I want all of our players to be vaccinated, we can be fully past this and no other player has to risk being around an unvaccinated player or any sort of problems that could cause, as long as he feels that way, then I would want Brandon Bean to come out and say that and say to the NFLPA, I'll see you in court. If you disagree, you know, we'll deal with this later. But to be afraid and to everybody have to be on the same talking points and the PR message has to be the same from the league office to the team office to Brandon Bean talking off the cuff with Steve Tasker. Why can't it be okay for Brandon Bean to say, this is how I feel, but there's policies in place that might prevent me from actually cutting the player. But if it was up to me, I would cut the player. He could probably take that at, well, I don't think he would take that attitude because the NFL would frown upon it uh, because I'm sure that they like any kind of jousting with the PA to come through the league office. But let's even say that he could take that attitude. He can against the PA, but he can't, he cannot against the NFL. 
Uh, and the if the NFL is the one telling him, look, dude, shut up. Don't say that. Don't say that stuff. Um, then he's got it. Then he's got he doesn't go have to fall in line, but he probably will. I mean, I mean, then it gets not- into a similar situation with what James Dolan did with the Rangers and just coming out and bat- blasting the league. Well, he got fined a quarter of a million dollars for it. You can't you can't go against the league. Yeah, that's why so the league's a losing proposition. Can't mandate that the players get vaccinated. When I think actually the league can mandate that all the other league employees get vaccinated, but because right. they're and employees, every, they're they not contractors. They can't go so what. far to mandate that the players get vaccinated, but they can mandate that every GM says the exact same thing in every radio interview, regardless of whether there's any diversity of thought from these individual GMs. That's right. Yeah, that's not collectively bargained. I mean, they could mandate any, you know, all those people. Yeah, idea uh, being those are league employees, and the players technically are not, in a sense. You know, they're contracted. So it's a little bit different. You know, they've got the union backing them right. up. CBA. Whereas, you know, I think the NFLPA should get on the side of the union, and they should agree to vaccinate all the players, unless you have a medical excuse. And I don't even know if there are any medical excuses that – I would love to see that too. Yeah. I hope that people while listening to this, you know, think that we're taking a stand on vaccinations or not. I I think it's just whether or not you're allowed to say these things. Um, And yeah, it's great that Brandon Bean does say these things, but I I don't, I think he's going to be, he he got himself in a, it's so tricky because it's so tricky because in one sense he should, you know, there's not, should he be able to solely cut a player for not being vaccinated? Probably, you know, he's not legally able to do that. I, I think the PA would agree with that. And, you know, the rules in place at the moment, you know, obviously the NFL feels that way, but what he said was he would basically do anything to give his team a competitive advantage. That's, I think Sean McDermott, I mean, that's lockstep with how many, it's exactly thinks. the way Sean McDermott would feel like I, with a lot of things. And this is one thing where if they could have meetings without masks and without social distancing and not need to have an emergency COVID quarterback and, you know, just have their building back to normal. To go through a season with nobody ever testing positive with COVID and maybe 28 teams in the league have somebody don't have somebody test positive throughout this upcoming season. Um, but Sean McDermott is going to say, well, we're, we're ahead of those four other teams. Right. It doesn't matter. It's any, any little edge. That was last year with this. Sean McDermott immediately thought this will be a massive advantage for the team that handles it well. And I would say the Bills handled it pretty well. I was not in the interest of like grading which teams were handling it best. I think Maybe that, their tight end room. Well, yeah. Right. Like that. And that's exactly why you didn't want to be sitting there and blaming teams that got COVID and not blaming others. There's so many factors, you know, that it doesn't make somebody careless necessarily for getting it. It could, but I, I wasn't sitting there thinking, wow, the bills are so much better than everybody else because they're not getting COVID. Like there were some advantages to being in Western New York where the numbers were mostly manageable during the season, where you're not in a big city uh, that requires seeing a lot of people if you can avoid it, you know, especially if you live uh, in the suburbs, but they did very much say this could be an advantage if we do things the right way, if we plan properly. And if we, if we handle this right, of course, they're going to think the same thing 
about vaccines. And I do think it's worth noting that the entire Bills draft room was vaccinated, including Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Joe Shane, Dan Morgan, the Pagulas, whoever else was in there. They, they weren't all on the screen at the same time, but they were on the screen often without masks and with the little thing saying, you know, this is a vaccinated draft room. That was the rule. If you were vaccinated, while you could the have Rams, 10 people in there without while the masks. Rams general manager was doing it from the couch in his basement by himself right. with nobody else there. The Cardinals, I saw some of their videos, you know, they're all masked and there's not as many of them in the room. Again, an advantage, you know, so Sean McDermott said, hell yeah, I'm going to get this vaccine. It's an advantage. If I get COVID, that's a bad thing for my team. And I think Brandon Bean was mostly just saying, above all else, he will do whatever to get an advantage, including if it meant Ty goes to the vaccinated player, then sure. You know, Ty goes to the available player or the player more likely to be available. Again, why I think it would be flimsy in court, but it would still be those comments he made are still going to be potentially used by somebody at some point he's opened up that possibility whereas if he didn't say it certainly that possibility doesn't exist if the bills have an organizational strategy that they want all vaccinated people in the organization in the building you have to be vaccinated to come work on these premise then i think that's fine if they decide to cut all of the unvaccinated players because they're not following that team policy i mean i understand they can't force them to actually get the vaccination, but I do think that they can make it a situation where, you know, you're probably not going to be on this football team if a certain date passes and you're not vaccinated because you can bring the virus in to where maybe, maybe vaccinated players don't get sick, but they still could test positive and miss games and have to quarantine a whole position room because some of your players are un recklessly unvaccinated and bringing it around the team. And, you know, you, you have to be vaccinated to sit in the lower deck of a baseball stadium now in New York state. So I think it's fair to say you have to be vaccinated to actually be on the field in that stadium. Problem is, and this is, you know, Waro posed the question yesterday, the other day when I was tweeting about it, and I think I sort of misunderstood it. And a few hours later, kind of had the light bulb moment like, oh, this is what he, because he said, you know, what role does team leadership have in setting the example on this? And I, you know, quote tweeted him and said it was a fair question and made the point about the draft room. Like I'd say they play a big role and team leadership is doing its part. Here's the problem. What Jonah's saying is, you know, this should be the expectation, right? And, and they could make that the expectation. Problem is, to Waro's point, and I think this is what he was getting at, they can't do that because Josh Allen uh, is on the fence or last we heard is on the fence. So let's say you have a few big, big time players, Josh Allen, whoever, I'm not going to name Jordan names. Boyer. Jordan Poyer would have been the next name uh, I would have said for um, obvious reasons, but let's say any, any player, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, Stefan Diggs, a handful of key players, even five or six who we just named decide not to get vaccinated. Then you have a hard time enforcing that policy with the 44th guy on the roster or whatever, because it's a situation where, they're going to say, well, oh, so Josh doesn't need to get back. So now all these guys have to get vaccinated, what, to protect Josh in a way? Like, you know, so that's where the whole – you get back to the Josh Allen conversation, and it's why it was reckless for him to 
step out there the way that he did. And it would be extremely reckless for him to enter the season unvaccinated for that reason. But it goes back to my original point of you either have to be good enough to be able to withstand a being unavailable for two weeks because of COVID, or you have to do everything you possibly can to avoid going on the COVID list. And the vaccine would be one of those, probably the best way to do that. Uh, and so if you're Josh Allen or Jordan Poyer, you can not get the vaccine because you're good enough. Nobody's cutting Josh Allen or Jordan Poyer for not getting the vaccine, but everybody, a lot of other players, you know, on the roster would certainly, you know, be wise to, to get it and avoid that type of situation where they're unavailable. All of these players had to get various vaccinations to go play college football and high schools and things like that before that. So I don't really see the controversy in with what's going on with the pandemic and everything that we've gone through in the last 16 months to say, this is a condition for returning to play in the NFL. No, this season. I mean, I, if I may, if I may be so bold, you do understand it. You get it. It just makes no sense. You know, it's, it's I mean, all this political I mean, indoctrination. I don't want to treat the tinfoil hat people like they have a, an equal standing on this issue. Right. I mean, I, I get that there are people that think that way, but I think they should be ignored or educated. Not I, out how to. Well, I think it's interesting. The pretzel, the pretzel you need to twist your brain into to get from what Josh Allen had to say and all of the defenders. I mean, it was lopsided uh, because everybody loves Joshy and you can't say anything. You can't criticize Joshy uh, and it's his right. And he can do whatever he wants. And um, he's just, he's, he's great and everything's going to be fine. And he's our guy to what Matthew was saying regarding Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and that edge for competitiveness. Now, that's what catches my attention uh, is, you know, I would want my team to win a Super Bowl and to do everything it can to win the Super Bowl. And I would want my quarterback to do whatever he can to win the Super Bowl. So how do you get from being a fan of Josh Allen's personal freedoms and Josh, you do you. And if you don't want to get the vaccine, good on you. Uh, and also be a fan of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's um, leaving no stone unturned. We're, we're, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't square that circle. It's um, it, you can't be, you can't have both opinions. They don't line up. Well, yeah, because it becomes, it's like I said, the freedom to not get vaccinated, like, sure, you have that freedom. And I believe that the team should have the freedom to say, see ya. And they do in pretty much every case, you know, I mean, you're not good enough anymore. See ya. Or you, you know, stepped out of line off the field. See ya. Or we just don't like you anymore, you know, see ya. And they have the ability to do it with even people who they don't pay. Now they're not didn't, vaccinated and you're not wearing your mask. You can't cover this football game. You have to leave the press box. They did and have a, the, the, the county executive wants to say you're not vaccinated. You can't watch this game in person. You know, there's all kinds of consequences. They, yeah, the, it becomes an interesting point where, you know, 
someone like Rachel Bush is now who is, you know, pro freedom and, and all this with Josh Allen is now siding presumably with the union here, which is interesting um, because Brandon Bean should also have the freedom to make the roster decisions he wants to make that are in the best interest of his team. And I would say having the meetings the way he wants to have them is in the best interest of the team. So yeah, you're right. It does become a bit of a logic pretzel for some people. And I think that's where, you know, I think the legal piece will be interesting if, if it gets there because they did have a lawsuit with Colin Kaepernick once upon a time um, in which Colin Kaepernick and, and Eric Reed were paid. So there was some collusion there, but proving large scale collusion against unvaccinated players, I think will end up being kind of tricky because I do think there will be some unvaccinated players running around NFL fields in, in the fall. Some of them will probably be wearing Buffalo Bills uniforms. So that's going to be a little bit trickier to pro, to to solve or prove rather, um, but yeah, it's 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 an it's an interesting conversation that seems like is going to be spinning in circles for a while because nobody's you know every every, every time I tweet about it, it's the same four or five people in my mentions, you know, saying, "Well, this doesn't stop you from getting COVID," and just like spreading nonsense vaccine conspiracy theories and you know these elite athletes shouldn't have to put stuff in their bodies etc cetera, etc cetera. but I think to Tim's point off the top it's a conversation the NFL probably doesn't want to be a part of or doesn't want to be a, a bad guy in but they certainly are pushing behind the scenes to get as many staff members and players vaccinated as quickly as possible while knowing they stand on shaky legal ground in forcing shots into arms while rookies are walking into the walking into the facility for rookie minicamp. So, you know, you can stand there with the platter of shots at the door and say, Hey, rookies, welcome to the NFL. Care to have one of these, but you can't force it. So unless they bargain it, they could go unless they the bargain it, but the NFL doesn't want to give anything back. The NFL never wants to budge. And that's the problem. The PA, to your point, Jonah, like it probably, the PA should probably give on it. And if it weren't a business issue, if it weren't a bargaining issue, they probably would. I mean, all else equal, if it was like, hey, you know, all players should be vaccinated, that it would be like, well, yeah, great. You know, like, of course. But va vaccinated players can go to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. I bet you everybody will be standing in line for the vaccine after they say that. But I think it's a matter of, oh, that sounds like something that if we do, we should be able to get something in return. And so they're not going to do it without getting something in return. And that's probably ties into the voluntary workouts and a weird situation. The PA has gotten itself into there where player, you know, a player got hurt away from the facility and now may not get paid. And you have some veterans quietly showing up to work out to get their bonuses or to just get work in because they probably can't afford to not get paid if they got hurt elsewhere. And some veterans who probably don't need to be there not showing up. And 
the PA kind of trying to get everybody on the same page, but not totally having everybody on the same page. So yeah, the giving up the vaccine thing and saying, yeah, we should all get vaccinated is tough when they, they're going to want something in return. That's it. And it's hard to totally blame them because the NFL screws them at every turn or tries to screw them at every turn. But this, as you mentioned, you know, this is a, a pandemic we're in uh, fun to, you know, remind people that, that like, this is the best way out of the pandemic. So that should be put above all else, but clearly it's not. Speaking of appeasing a segment of your fans that are knuckle draggers, let's uh, take a glance at what happened at the NHL this week. And of course, uh, Tom Wilson uh, injuring Artemi Panarin of the Rangers, their leading scorer now uh, to say season ending injury sounds a lot worse uh, than it is because there was only three games left, but um, there were only three games left. Um, Tom Wilson gets a $5,000 fine, the optics of which uh, are terrible because uh, it happens to be the maximum that he could have been fined based on the NHL's collective bargaining agreement. And the next game, the Rangers and the Capitals happen to play each other, and the game begins with a line fight. Uh, Brawl breaks out, 100 penalty minutes in the first period. Um, I think just embarrassing for hockey, but there's a segment of the fans that love it, uh, that think that it's great hockey. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. I mean, there are some people that say, wow, it was, it was must-see viewing. I'll be honest. I tuned into it, not because I, I had to see this fight. It was because I wanted to see what the hell was going to happen. I wanted to see the mess. And as somebody who's curious and a sports journalist, I wanted to monitor it just to see how the NHL was going to handle this or these two teams at least were going to handle it. So, yeah, I watched it. Um, I made the comment on Twitter that you, you throw UFC fighters and ice skates. I'd probably watch that too, but it makes it, it's a shit sport. So I don't know. I'll throw it out there. What, your thoughts on the NHL, how they handled this uh, Tom Wilson uh, and Rangers uh, mess the NHL's, uh, you know, finds the Rangers uh, $250,000 because of a statement that James Dolan ordered uh, that ripped the director of player safety, George Peros, by name, uh, called for him to lose his job, crossed all kinds of lines that you don't see in sports with a team calling out the league. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? I don't know. All right, Matthew, somebody you came up in hockey. Um, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on this type of, uh, this, this type of mentality in hockey? Maybe you're like, it. maybe you're for it. You're against it. I don't know. I don't like it. And I remember when I was playing in a men's league after shortly after, I, right before I moved out here with some, guys I went to high school with, you know, afterwards we'd have beers in the parking lot and stuff. And this conversation got brought up once. I forget what was happening at the time. This would have been 2014 and right in the middle of the playoffs, something happened with the Bruins or whatever. And I just made the point, like, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Like, I think they should get rid of fighting in hockey, like just get rid of it completely. 
And the looks on the faces of my old high school teammates was like every one of them were in agreement that I was nuts and some other choice words that they had for me that you can probably fill in the blanks on. Um, and I, I think I've always felt, I've felt this way for a while. At some point in college, it turned for me where it was just like, there's a lot of really good players in the NHL. And because we're, you know, hold on, I'm going to mute because my dog's going nuts, but I'll no, get back keep to going. My... We can right. barely hear Hudson. All right. He's, per- a little he's, he's pretty worked up about it too. As you right. can disagree. He disagrees. <laughs> my whole thing has always been, there's really good players in the NHL. And if you like hockey as a sport, the actual sport of it and, and what happens on the ice, if you want to watch those guys play hockey, you should not care about fighting at all and probably want it removed from the sport with the, I think it was when Claude Giroux and Sidney Crosby went through long stretches of concussions and it looked like, you know, fans might lose those guys from the game in the midst of their prime that I thought, why are we, you know, if you're serious about safety and serious about taking CTE, you know, seriously, how can you then just allow the thing that makes that way more likely you know, the game's dangerous enough and the fighting element are things going to happen on the ice occasionally. Yes. But do guys need to like drop the gloves and, and duke it out? Do, do there need to be line brawls like there were on, you know, the, the other night, like it's a Tom Wilson problem. It stems from that, right? You, you have this guy that you've enabled for years to behave like, an idiot on the ice and be that guy. He gets fined $5,000 and he's allowed to play the next game. I almost don't fault the Rangers because it felt like the Rangers were saying, all right, really? Like, really? All right, watch this. You know, like now everybody's going to look at this sport and they're going to laugh at it. And to the people who say, well, everybody who says it's embarrassing for hockey, like a lot of people are watching. Yeah. A lot of people watch a lot of stuff that's pretty embarrassing. Like, you know, people are going to watch Floyd Mayweather fight the Paul brothers. It's people the are going to watch power, that. right? Like, you will watch. I will flip on to watch. Like, I same reasons you did a natural curiosity and knowing we would probably talk about it and it would and seeing how far it would go. Like, are we going to see history where the Rangers are like? It's like watching me it to I'm, make fun of it. Well, yeah, watching like, it for the purpose of ridiculing it. And that's what happened. You know, that's the attention it got. You didn't get the sustainable attention. You're not going to get more people to tune in. Now, is there a segment of the fan base, same as like what we're talking about in the NFL, that wants it and that, you know, scowls at me when I say they should get, yes, I've played hockey with a lot of those people and I'm sure they feel the same way. And, you know, my dad and I have this conversation, um, and he's come around, I think, to this side of the of, of the argument where at some point you just want to watch good players play hockey and the rest of it is just annoying. You know, it's like, oh, this guy needs to be on the team to police the other team. Like, man, wouldn't it be great if a guy who could actually play, you know, a guy who could skate and handle the puck and do interesting things on the ice besides just throw his fists around? Like, I'm sick of guys getting – concussions and missing extended periods of time. Like 
go read Boy on Ice about Derek Bugard and tell me that fighting belongs in hockey. Like, go see what happens to these guys 10, 20, 30 years after they're done playing and say that belongs there. It's not UFC. It's not where you're stepping out there to, you know, that is what you're doing. You know, that's a whole different conversation. And, you know, people can argue, you know, argue about that sport and all, you know, all that too. But you have talented players who force themselves to go down that route because it's their only way to survive in the league. And it's really not a very good way to, to survive because then your, your quality of life afterwards is, is pretty lousy. So it becomes, I think the NHL was asking for it, frankly, with what they did and how they responded and, you know, it looks silly. Now they had to find the Rangers a quarter of a million dollars when Tom Wilson got off with a $5,000 fine. And then Tom Wilson says today, gee, I was real surprised that this became such a thing. Like he's the ultimate heel, you know, he's just the ultimate villain and plays the part so damn well. And to the people who like, if you need that in your hockey, there's a lot of pay-per-views in the UFC. They're on all the time. Like, Go check them out. Right. If I want to watch people fight, I'll watch people who are trained to fight. I'm going to watch a guy who's trained at it. The sweet science of bruising, as A.J. Liebling called it. I'm going to watch a guy who's trained to do it go up against another guy who's trained to do it. And I don't mean hitting a heavy bag in the barn out in Saskatoon. You know, I'm talking about actual training to do it, wearing gloves, not bare knuckles on heads. Uh not skating around, you know, like pirouetting, like uh, the Michael Jack, the, like the thriller video or the beat it video uh, guys dancing around. And then it ends up in a wrestling heap and, and people lose their shit uh, and think it's awesome. Hockey fights are shit fights. They I are. don't know. It's just a mass. It's part. just like, let's just get, let's just be manly here. Come on. Let's we're going to, there's a challenge. I mean, why don't we just do, I mean, if we're just going to be, it's if, Hockey, which so much of the culture about hockey is masculinity, just masculine. Don't walk on that logo in our locker. That's our logo. Uh, meanwhile, in the National Football League, you walk over the Bills logo. Nobody thinks twice about it. There's logos all over the place. But in hockey, no, no. That's an insult. And you'll be ejected and you'll lose your credential if you come walking into our dressing room and you step on our logo, which is in our carpet in the middle of the room. Uh, anyway, that's another another topic. But this masculinity. All right. So why not let's, and, and so, and so the fighting has nothing to do with hockey. The, there are no hockey skills involved in the fight. Right. I mean, it's just like totally out of nowhere. It's like that um, uh, chess boxing that be that the, it was on real sports. And you've seen some documentaries about it where guys box for a, a round and then they get out of the ring and they play chess for 10 minutes and then they get back in the ring and they fight and then they get, it's like, what, why they're two different things. Like if you want to do masculinity, let's at least incorporate a, you know, a hockey skill in it. I mean, like a duel, like maybe put your lineup. All right. Challenge a dude. Well, I got no problem. If you want to clean a guy's, guy's clock because he took a cheap shot and you want to get the next clean shot on him as hard as you possibly can. And maybe you cross over a line I, that, you know, I get, you know, there's Within the confines of the game. Sure. It's the same as it happens in baseball, you know, right. a hard slide into second or a play at the plate or whatever. I mean, it happens, football, obviously right? it happens in football all the time after yeah, I mean, the whistle football, stuff, it's constant. Sure. So yeah, if you want to do that, but you don't see guys ripping it. off their helmets and, you know, and then squaring off, uh, you know, for, for the line judge to come in. 
Well, I also find it kind of interesting that all the while you grow up playing hockey, fighting is not allowed. And then you get to, you know, these high levels and all of a sudden it's, yeah, go ahead, fight. Yeah, like, think of how beautiful the game is. People comment about the purity of the game in the Olympics or when you watch international play. There's no fighting. The, the Frozen Four, there's no fighting. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of hockey that you watch that has no fighting in it. The whole time growing up, all coaches say is, all right, like you're pissed off at that guy, go get him back clean. You know, and anytime there's even a whiff of a fight, it's a huge deal. And it's like, stop dead in its tracks. So you grow up telling kids one thing until they get to a certain point. And then it's like, yeah, you're one of the best hockey players in the world, but the only way you're going to make it now is if you start beating people up or if you, you know, this is a way, whether it's consciously said or, you know, just sort of a, an understanding that this is your way to make it. And, you know, people are getting all riled up over it. And it's like mostly for that segment of the fans across hockey that think this is a good time and this, this is what is, men do yeah this is this is just guy stuff and like i, I don't know i just find it like <laughs> i i just find it kind of silly it's like if you're such a fan of hockey now the whole like policing the game and yada yada i find that i, I kind of roll my eyes at that argument but i like i said i get it if you want to have a guy that can go out there and hit somebody clean that's your prerogative he's probably taken up room on the roster that you don't need, you know, to have him taken up for what one night a year or a couple nights a year. The only reason those guys are necessary is because there are Tom Wilson's out there. Like if you just got rid of those players, like, and made the suspensions and fines such that that guy would not continue to play that way. He'd be off, off a roster. Um, I, he's a, I like he's how a you say guy player. stuff. He, you know, it's guy, it's guy stuff. I think they should do more guy stuff. Let's, right. um, incorporate into the game since we're going to just do non-hockey things to 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 boast our guy stuff let's in, incorporate um beer chugging uh, well i was going to say three shots every every period while you're not on the ice you have to do three shots every player on the bench i mean we'll do something for the goalies they can come up with some um three shots and then and this actually would solve the intermission dilemma because people tune out during the, that's one of the worst things about hockey, right? And telecasts is what to do with those 17, 20 minutes of intermission time. There's gotta be a new sheet of ice. It's inevitable. You gotta do it. So put a stripper pole in the dressing room and cameras lap dances for all the guys. And all right. So there's married guys in there. They don't want to be a part of that. If you want to opt out, of the lap dance element, you have to uh, shotgun a beer during the intermission. And then you go back out there. So that's the two intermissions. People won't, you know, then you sell, there's more advertising for that. You can stay with the cameras. It includes a telecast. It's guy stuff, guy stuff. And then, um, then you go back out in the next period. It's the three shots and the whole thing. Maybe you can incorporate something happens in the penalty box. Um, so it's guy stuff. If you're upset with another guy, uh, you know, he cheap shotted your player. You can challenge him to a beer chugging contest right on the ice, maybe arm right. wrestling. Right. right. And if you, right. And if you, then if you, you go to the penalty box, if you lose the, the or the beer chugging how about contest, this? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe you think that's all outlandish. 
then I would say let's at least make retribution or accountability um, a hockey skill. So if you rather than getting into a fight, you you square off at the blue line and each guy gets, I don't know, three or five pucks and you take slap shots at each other. And like, um, like a free kick in soccer, you can choose to put your hands over your nuts or maybe your face, whichever you can't do both though. You got to pick one. And the other guy just to take gets, just gets to take slappers. You bring back guys like ally Afraidy, they get to play into their fifties. Um, and you get rid of the enforcers. I mean, at least that's a hockey, that's a hockey way to show off your, your man stuff. Yeah, I like it. I, I think we're we're changing the game here. I don't, just I, I just I just don't um, I don't know how it really got into the game and how it kind of became this thing that's such a part of it that people would be so offended if it were gone. Because I, I wonder if there's a and maybe Jonah, maybe you've heard something like this. Do you follow wrestling? I mean, wrestling is a real Canadian thing. I don't know. Is this a? I wonder if there's a Canadian element to it. I think it's a hockey culture element, and maybe it's that fighting culture is stronger in Canada. I don't know, but uh, I suspect that maybe that's the case. But wrestling-wise, the over-the-top entertainment angle, like we need to have something in there to well, sell here, tickets I, back in the day, you know, back in the maybe. Pacific. Actually, I, I think this is a little bit of a sideways point, but one thing I noticed was so they had a, a wrestling show on TNT the other night, all elite wrestling, blood and guts. Everybody was slicing their foreheads with razor blades and bleeding all over the place and bashing each other with chairs and old time wrestling throwing Chris Jericho off the top of the cage into concrete. And it was a very violent program, but extremely entertaining. And the word on the wrestling blogs is that TNT wants the blood and the guts and the violence on the television. It differentiates from the PG product that WWE offers on other networks and is just what they want. Now TNT is entering in a new deal with the NHL to broadcast their games. And I don't know if they want it to that extent of, you know, fake violence and let's cut guys heads open and bleed all over the ice. Like it's NHL 94, the video game, but maybe the television networks don't mind when there's line fights or some of these or fight. Everybody got the announcers on NBC were really down on it. They were, but again, NBC is about to lose their NHL contract. So this could be the way of, you know, kicking the NHL in the taint on its way out the door. What yeah, about when Bill Cousins the... got in that fight a couple weeks ago? That was everybody got pretty excited about that, said put the C on them. You know, this is what right. the Sabres need. Now nobody got hurt. I, I think fighting when people don't get hurt, people kind of like that about hockey. You go to a hockey game, and that's sometimes the most exciting part of the game when you're there live. But people don't want to see players getting bashed in the face with sticks and getting Staged fights. Yeah, I think the, the Dylan Cousins thing is interesting because I was cover, I was actually covering that game, the one game I covered this year, filling in for John Vogel. And typically, I like I've said, I am an anti-fighting kind of guy. And in that situation, I found myself saying, well, I really don't think fighting in hockey serves much of a purpose. But man, on such a dead team, at least this guy's trying to find some way to show that he cares and like wake up his team. So I didn't really like blast Dylan Cousins for that. Maybe people think that makes me hypocritical, but I, I kind of just well, thought I think like, there's a there's spontaneous fights. You see them, yeah, and it's a penalty. And then you go, you know, you get penalized for it, just like you would in the NFL 
you know, Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson going after it and the, their legendary fight, ripping off helmets or whatever. It does happen on occasion. Yeah, and it, but Dylan stage, Cousins doesn't make a, a habit of it. He, he wasn't going fight. out there looking for it. He, it was just like, this guy's pissed off and he cares. And that's different on this team and perhaps a good thing. He shouldn't be fighting all the time. The Sabres don't want their talented players fighting all the time. But yeah, I think you could, and we're probably talking about an issue that is, has gotten better in the NHL, but good luck telling any casual fan that that's just scrolling through Twitter and says, geez, look at this clown show between the Rangers and the Capitals. Like what a crazy sport. And I saw some people make this point on Twitter and, you know, it's a completely different conversation, but when it is it, the way it's talked about compared to Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson, the way it's talked about when it's a bunch of white guys, it's just look at those guys just getting after it, you know. It's true. Like, well, look, yeah, versus, look at the NBA. They don't let right. you even look at each other the wrong way or players will get suspended. You take one step off the bench towards a fight to break up a fight and you get suspended because they're so worried about how bad it looks when this predominantly black league is brawling on the court together. You know, when that happened years ago, players get suspended for 20, 30 games for participating in that kind of thing. That's the masculinity of, of hockey, too. You, you do see a lot of memes, and it's been for years, of the hockey player with blood rolling down his nose, and he's back in the game, uh, and LeBron James, you know, like wincing while he's grabbing his knee, you know. And, and it's, it's not tough to get a little deeper than just, hey, look how tough one guy is and one guy isn't. But right um, or wrong, that's part of the culture of hockey. It's, it's a more violent embracing the violence and the toughness and the physicality of the it's sport. The, tweet. the Capitals put out the tweet and they had to delete it of Tom. After that play, the Capitals tweeted out a, a thing like a meme of, of Tom Wilson. And I don't remember the exact, but vi- it was like, I choose violence or something like that. It was like, yeah, Capitals choose violence. The Capitals right. choose yeah, violence. Yeah. Like it was up for 10 minutes or so. And somebody was like, you can't fucking do that. Well, People used um, to trade tapes of the Bob Probert fights and the hockey fights, the great, the Rob Ray fights. And I don't think they were trading tapes of Detroit Pistons flagrant fouls and stuff like that. It's just part right. of hockey that people like, uh, you know, this element of fighting maybe mostly, but the physicality and the roughness and the grittiness, the sand. people complain that the Sabres don't have enough with their team, that maybe they should. They need more uh, sand in their yeah, game. Yeah, more, more penalty minutes and more checking and more pushing that line of violence more and physicality jam. will help them with, yeah, more jam, more grit, more sand, all that stuff. Glue guys, glue guys with sand. Well, the intermission report, you know, because I tuned in like as the chaos was happening on Twitter. And so I missed all the fun by the time I flipped over to the game. But at the intermission, they're saying, you know, they were like, oh man, you know, got to give these guys credit they're all going after somebody their own size and it's like oh wow yeah so tough like these guys are so like just the picture of toughness like squaring off and like oh you look about my size and about my fighting ability like everybody's got a a rating like it's a video game like like oh yeah this guy's about a 75 in fighting like or guys who've never fought before it's just now part of the passion that comes out in hockey and some of the the stuff that spills over you know, after the whistle, like, like I said, with Dylan Cousins, like some of it is, is fine. Like it happens, you know, and sometimes in the playoffs, you get some real authentic, like dislike for one another. You know, you think about the old flyer penguin series, the old avalanche red wing series, like, you know, stuff that 
can, you know, certainly it's fun to watch when, when teams don't like each other and it gets a little chippy, but it's the stage. Like it just looked so foolish. Like, Oh, puck drops. Here we go. Like the game when the, the Sabres and the Flyers fought and Lindy Ruff was trying to fight, I forget who the Flyers coach was, or maybe it wasn't the Flyers, was it Ottawa? But the game with the whole team trying to fight and Lindy Ruff right. was trying to climb Yeah, I just wrote grass. about it. Chris Drury yeah. got hurt by Chris okay. Neal. It was yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. Well, I think this was a different game, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But that, was that the one where Lindy Ruff is basically trying to get involved on the bench and calling over to over the glass and, like, they were going to get involved with it? But my point is that's as memorable as almost any goal that's ever been scored in Sabres history. These are just part of the – viewing experience and fan experience is that this is part of hockey right or wrong which is why i mean maybe we should get outraged by it but i kind of don't and i think if we really wanted it out of the game the television networks that pretty much subsidize the whole sporting experience for all of us right now would say hey cut it out and eventually it would get cut out yeah uh linda so uh chris neal with an elbow uh, on Chris Drury, the Sabres co-captain in 2007, uh, and blindside hit. Drury didn't have the puck. He had just gotten rid of the puck. It was a borderline play. It was not called. It was borderline play in real speed, uh, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a bad hit. Should have been penalized. Nothing happened. Uh, so the Senators then, to avoid a problem, put out a finesse line. And Lindy Ruff was not happy with that because it was the next shift and you're going to get yours. So they put out Danny Heatley, Jason Spezza, and Mike Comrie. And so Lindy Ruff puts out Andrew Peters, Adam Mayer, and Patrick Coletta. And and, and Lindy Ruff got fined $10,000. He said, go out and run them. And that's exactly what happened. Turned out to a goalie fight, Marty Baran and Ray Emery fight. Um, it was a yeah, whole, so that, okay. That is the same thing. I'm Kudos yeah, to Marty, by the way, like, man, like he had, Marty that's like, that's the code. he had to, <laughs> it was the code. That's tough. That's a tough draw there for Marty. If it could have been any other team, I mean, uh, Ray Emery would have been the last Yeah, Why not Arthur Zerbe on the other side of the ice? That would have right. been nice. Dominic Hasek or something like you just wave at each other. Right. Just like sort of have a dance or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, the stage stuff, dude. it should be automatic ejections. You know, I'm thinking back similar time um, when Brian Campbell totally laid out R.J. Umberger, uh, then of the Flyers. They want to say he came back with the K, came back with a different team even the next season. But it was a clean hit, one of the all-time great hits you'd ever see. I mean, it was ugly because R.J. Umberger got hurt, but there was nothing illegal about it. And uh, the next season, now that R.J. Umberger's healthy, there had to be a fight. And everybody was talking about it ahead of time. And sure enough, Brian Campbell, who doesn't fight, you know, took his turn in the barrel and they'd had their fight. And R.J. Umberger, but, but how silly. Months and months later on a different team, that was the hockey code. You got to fight. It was a clean hit. But because he got, because he got hit hard, R.J. Umberger now has the right, based on the hockey code, to have a fight. With Brian Campbell. You think Tredavious White and, and Gronk next year will, will go at it on the field? Like, just Was that the last time they played each other? Probably not. I don't think. Maybe. Because Gronk retired and then he came retired. back. I don't know if, he, if that was the season or not. But I can't remember if that yeah, was the I think last. They should, but it might have been. They should but, fight. They fight at WrestleMania. I, Right. Like if it hasn't, if they haven't fought or nobody fought Gronk or whatever, you know, it's like, how come those guys can let it go? 
and it's not a big deal. Or they can get him back in some other way, you know, hit hit Gronk or block him extra hard or whatever. Like, how come they can let it go in an even more violent sport? Maybe because they have more chances to get their aggression out, I guess. They even let it go more than baseball players because baseball, you're going to get one in the year. Right, which is also kind of stupid. Also stupid, but at least it's not like, all right, the other thing about fighting, I mean, just to make a, a point, I know that everybody knows this, but how ridiculous it is. It's not hockey skills. There's no hockey skills involved other than staying on your feet, I guess. It's like a, it's like a drill almost like, all right, let's see if I can knock you off your skates uh, while, while we, you know, I grab you by the shoulders. Uh, the clock stops. Nothing can happen that affects the game, really. Obviously, momentum and attitude, and you can talk about that type of thing. Um, but a goal can't be scored. You're not going to, like, in baseball, at least it's a ball. You know, you got a factor, True. or you, the guy's going to get it's a free base. It's a strategy thing. Yeah, yeah I'm going to throw it at your guy, head, but you get a free base. Or yeah, you're it's going to hit be a him. Wild the guy's going to take first, yeah. and whatever, uh, whatever your retribution is, there's, you know, but in hockey, it's, you know, nothing can happen. It's just the fight. That's all it is. And everybody maybe gets a chubber and uh, gets to say that they saw a fight tonight. All right, let's wrap this up. I think Jonah's uh, Jonah yeah, needs to go, go. And we've been going on for, for, for a while here. So um, anyway, hope we got it all out of our system. Jonah, you had a stat you wanted to share with us. Yeah. Well, a little fun with numbers. Um, I was looking up last night, I was looking at Jack Eichel's plus minus and some stuff. And I noticed that in his career, it's, coming to the end of the sixth season he's a minus 69 and I thought I'd go look at what Connor McDavid was uh, at the end of his sixth season which you know he's having another great year and he's a plus 69 so nice little parallel there and but you could flip those numbers around backwards forwards either way and they're the same (laughs) you could put one on yeah which one goes on top I guess it doesn't matter yeah, I don't know, but if they play together, if they 69 each other, you get a, an even strength combination there. <laughs> Everything's back to even, perfect balance. The yin and the yang symbol. Right. Jonah, you're a treasure. Well, Conor McDavid's got four more games left, so we're never going to have that parallel forces of the universe working for Well, no, like it can happen. Again. I mean, it could stay. I guess he could be even, yeah, but yeah. the way he's playing, he's probably going to get – you know, into the seventies sooner or later. It's a shame. This is a special moment in time. We should <laughs> right. It really should be celebrated. <laughs> Back in, this would be a good blog. Well, I was going to tweet it and then I thought I'll save it for the podcast. They'll appreciate it more than if you just tweet it, you just get a whole bunch of people saying, nice, nice, nice. Right. I refrained from saying that. I didn't want to take the easy, uh, the easy response. All right. Uh, thanks guys. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot about that. And he, uh, we, it had to happen. Uh, my thanks to Jonah Bronstein of the Bronstein Firm, Matthew Fairburn, Buffalo Bills writer for The Athletic. I am Tim Graham, also of The Athletic. Uh, catch you next time on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. 
For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond.